0: This is the Pain Information Network, and it's Q&A. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. And I've been getting some questions uh, through the Addiction Series, and just some questions in general that I think we probably ought to go through. And if you have a question, uh, paininformation.com, and send me a question of uh, your choice, and I read them all, and I'll try to get to it. and. Uh, answer your question live or sometimes i email folks uh, i don't mind doing that at all i try to keep everything confidential it needs to be confidential and if you want me to do more let me know medical information it's not meant for medical treatment it's just for information and to help you find resources so starting with that what about support groups and where is more information about resources. Well, you heard me talk uh, a little bit about SAMHSA. It's really not SAMHSA. S A M H S A. Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. That's www.samhsa.gov or 1-877-SAMHSA. Dash seven. That's one eight seven 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 two six four seven two seven. And I'll put these on the page. I'm due to put some stuff on the on the page and some of these resources. But you can get them uh, from Samsha in all sorts of uh, little booklets. Uh, great resources, and we keep them in our uh, outpatient uh, treatment clinics so that folks can read about them. But I'm going to run through a few. Definitely not a complete list, and definitely. <laughs> There's more you can get. Um, so let's let's first start with your rights. You need to know your rights if you have a problem with substance abuse. All right, you can go to the Internet. It's partnersforrecovery.samhsa.gov, and you click on Resources. Okay? You can also order some of these publications at dot. S a m h s a dot forward slash product forward slash r dash u dash in dash recovery dash from dash alcohol dash or dash drug dash problems dash no dash your dash rights forward slash p as in Paul h s d one oh nine one. That's your government uh, efficiency in full display. All right. I, the one I, I, I love, AA, uh, and NA is a fantastic organization too. So I know they have their um, issues with some people. But put the little stuff aside and understand this AA, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, has been around since the 30s for a reason. Because it, it works for a lot of people. It's a good support organization. You leave your ego and your attitude at the door, and you get help. You could be sitting next to a doctor. You could be sitting next to a lawyer. You could be sitting next to a welder. It doesn't matter. Everybody's there for help. And so that's AA.org. Okay, start there, because they have uh, they offer other things for recovery besides just alcohol. All right, so... How about LifeRing? LifeRing.org is good. And then Dual Recovery Anonymous, dra onlineq dot ccom Phone number 913-991-2703. Okay. Methadone Anonymous that's just, believe it or not, straightforward, methadoneanonymous.com. Treat National Alliance of Advocates for Buprenorphine Treatment. Yeah, this is another one. I can't believe it's so easy. N-A-A, B as in boy, T as in tom.org. National Alliance for Medication Assisted Recovery. Methadone.org or two one two five nine five. And as in Nancy, A-M-A, and Secular Organizations for Sobriety. Sobriety.org forward slash home dot H-T-M-L or 323-666-4295. SmartRecovery.org or 1-866-951-5357. Sobriety for Women, comma, Inc., WomenForSobriety.org. Alright, the Behavioral Health uh, Treatment Services Locator, and it's in, in English and Spanish, is 800-662-HELP, and you're going to punch in 4357, and they have a hearing impaired uh, option there too, findtreatment.samhsa.gov, and that's a secure, that's an HTTPS. So remember that. All right, a number of free booklets you can get uh, from these organizations. And I'm, I'm taking this right out of a booklet. And they're very good at getting these publications out there. So you can get electronic access to a lot of these printed copies, store.samhsa.gov. Or you can call that number I gave you earlier, one eight seven seven. 7264727 and they're bilingual too. And they have a number of book booklets I talked about motivation for change, faces of change, we've talked a little bit about that, what everybody needs to know about methadone, naltrexone, buprenorphine. They have different books there. Finding treatment, okay? It's easier than finding Nemo. And it's Very impactful. Go to the SAMHSA website, that's findtreatment.samhsa.gov, and there'll be a place you can type your town or zip code, and you'll receive a list of uh, treatment centers. You can also call 1-800-662-HELP, 4357. You can write them. I don't know anybody that does that anymore. One choke cherry road, comma, Rockville, comma, Maryland, MD. That's 20857. Often your social services organizations will know uh, where to go to. And you can go directly to the website of some of these companies that uh, are uh, big into buprenorphine, or you can go to you know places you can Google like Suboxone.com and things like that. And you may actually even uh, have some resources with your physician's office, but I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. And so you want to stay sober. So you have to have options that you can get help. And the the one I want you to have tucked away in your wallet, your purse, or whatever, is a suicide hotline. And I, I don't think many people in recovery are suicidal, but there are those that could be. 1-800-273-TALK, 8255. Now, your churches are also going to know of uh, different um, recovery strategies. There's one for Catholics, that's C-A-L-I-X, and Alcoholics Victorious, and that's uh, one for Christian living and the like. Um, Faces and Voices of Recovery, uh, that support local recovery efforts and hopelinks.net that has a lot of self-help uh, resources there's also JACS that's uh, Jewish alcoholics and National Asian Pacific American Families Against Substance Abuse and um, that's i I don't have the website on that but it's 213-625-5795 National Black uh, Alcoholics, or Alcoholism, I believe, and Addictions Council. And I don't have the number on that, but it's in Orlando, Florida. Salvation Army has a lot of uh, information. Uh, And self-management and recovery training through what's called Smart Recovery uh, is another option for some people. You're going to find your fit. Believe me, there's plenty of organizations out there. You will find it. 1-866-951-5357. 18669515357. Now there's Women for Sobriety. I don't have a web URL, but here it is 2155368026. So, vocational and job training sometimes is important. Um, we've had our bumps in the road and we want some job's training or maybe some information in that regard. And it's usually run through the state, but Use the uh, national number at 202-245-7700. All right, that's a pretty good start. Uh, I, I think you should pretty much start simple and straightforward and start networking. That's hard for some people. If you don't like go to groups, well, you don't have to go to groups. You know, you can start off with many of these other resources and just gimbal on through them. And you'll find the uh, resource that you need. And it might be very personal. Or you might need the support of a number of individuals, and that's where AA has a sponsor for you, and that sponsor is usually it's your lifesaver. You will call, you will get the help you need, uh, non-judgmental, and uh, I think most people find AA and NA uh, one of the best first steps. But arm yourself with knowledge. That's a, that's the best advice anybody can give yourself. All right. Does my uh, posture cause pain there is a number of individuals uh, from different uh, different f- kind of runs of the medical field uh, from chiropractic to physical therapy uh, to massage therapy a number of different beliefs that certain things are certain things I think it therefore it is and very little evidence supports And the methodology of some of the evidence is questionable. Does posture cause pain? Yeah, sure can. Obviously, you know, extreme posture is not natural. But you have to think of things as natural and unnatural. Some people have scoliosis, and that's them. They're going to need to be treated at extreme ends of the spectrum. But most of the time, they can adapt, and they do adapt. However, if you start having an abnormal gait, you're interfering with your range of motion uh, simply because you can't go to extremes one way or your leg can't move correct another way it can cause a secondary effect that uh, does cause pain and so yeah it was it was contributory not necessarily the cause of the pain in a direct uh cause-effect relationship but a secondary effect so yeah i believe in that but What can we do about it? Sometimes we can't do a lot about it. We're going to have to accept the fact that um, there's an abnormal gait, say, uh, from CP uh, and cerebral palsy or that somebody has an extreme form of scoliosis or whatever it might be. You have a foot drop because you had an uh, L5-S1 nerve root uh, injury or somebody has had a traumatic injury with a pelvic fracture. Whatever the circumstance is, You can still be helped, but it's not simple. I think that if we try to simplify these problems by saying, well, it's your posture. we got to work on your posture, work on your muscles to make your muscles uh, more uh, synchronized or balanced or whatever it is. You can do that, and you can probably help yourself to some degree, but it's not not a simple thing, but it is something that may – be very contributory to your overall well health. So listen to the physical therapists, listen to the chiropractors, listen to everybody. Put it together and formulate what's natural for you because there is not one thing that's going to be good for um, just everybody across the board. We're all snowflakes. We're all snowflakes. I saw this uh, device that's uh, it's a traction device. It's very expensive. They put you through protocols and the like, and they say they're, we're going to take the pressure off your spine. And they show a lot of younger people that are now doing things. Well, the underlying word is younger. If you have degenerative components or actual uh, biomechanical problems, sometimes these gadgets, they just they just aren't for you. So know what you're getting treated with. Know who's doing the treatment. And be a consumer. That's all I'm going to say about that for now. But does does posture cause pain? The answer is uh, maybe, but it's qualified. Right. Here, here's the next question. My doctor treating me for pain is not on the same page as my family doctor. I, I get this all the time. My family doctor thinks opioids are dangerous and wants me to get off these things. Yep, he's right. Opioids are dangerous. But opioids are no more dangerous than driving a car at 70 miles an hour, which we do every day. Uh, They're no more dangerous than uh, riding your bicycle uh, and uh, (laughs) hitting a pothole. They're, They're no more dangerous than a lot of things we do in life because they can be controlled. And that's the underlying word of controlled substance. Many patients get kind of mad at us because we make dose adjustments or medication adjustments. What we're, what we're being is safe. Sometimes the oral form of a medication is not right for you. Maybe a patch could take away some of the self-direction of care that that we see. Because you have legitimate need, you have pain, you need to be treated. Now, the prejudice of some physicians is there, and maybe sometimes it's well-founded. They may live in a community that's had a couple of pill mills. I I get that. But if you have a legitimate pain problem and the relationship is between you and that doctor or that provider, and you're following the rules, opioid consent, you're in drug screens, pill counts, all the things we've talked about, and your life is improving your quality of life is improving, your function, your restorative sleep capacity, your ability to interact in the community. Well, isn't that medication helping you in all the right right ways? And what would happen to you if you didn't have that medication available? I know that, that medi- medications are not available to some people uh, for a number of different reasons. And they, they struggle. And their quality of life is diminished. But when they're well-controlled and they're under the watchful eye of a well-trained individual that knows how to use these controlled substances, you know, get over the guilt. Just get over it. Those medications are fine. They may be not forever, but for uh, the current circumstance, if you're using them uh, in the right way, they're not going to hurt you. Uh, they're helping you. So, yes, listen to your family doctor or whatever this uh, individual was telling you. Be respectful. Understand that's an opinion. It's probably based on some uh, bad outcomes that he's had or seen, but it's an opinion. So <clears throat> don't let that wedge come between you and the patient physician relationship. Discuss with This individual, again, respectfully, I believe these medications are helping me for these reasons. My pain uh, physician or my prescriber has talked to me and explained to me why he's using these medications, what to watch for, the side effects, and what we're going to do about that. I get my prescriptions every month, and I follow the pain clinic's rules or the prescriber's rules. I have a patient care agreement with them. If you'd like to talk to... XYZ. That is a best line. If you want to talk to XYZ, I would love for you to do that, so you can understand my diagnosis and the plan and the benchmarks—three, six, nine, twelve months. That's what you need, and that really helps. It's always about communication. I just uh, can't drive that home enough. It's not about getting angry. It's not about divisive uh, inner treatment uh, provider. Relations. It's about communication. So um, keep that in mind, okay? Usually <laughs> the overwhelming number of doctors just want you to be safe and just want you to get better. That's all we want. We usually don't have an agenda at all. When we walk in the room, that's our goal. And I think I pretty much answered that. Okay, I'm on pain medication. Am I on this for life? Well, I just kind of touched on this. Uh, I don't know are you on antihypertensives for life maybe are you on diabetic medicine for life maybe and what what is you know life all about i mean is it a cancer diagnosis that you know is is aggressive um, form of cancer you may be on medications for the rest of your life but that's to help you or a less extreme example You have failed back surgery syndrome, you are miserable, you have tried a stimulator, you have tried injections, and you find that the most conservative and straightforward way to get through the day is medications. Give them a run for a while. Usually, uh, with the exception of acetaminophen-containing medications, um, some of these pharmacokinetically long-acting agents uh, are very helpful and can be used for extended periods of time. Caveat, follow the rules. All right, next question. Where should I get my injection done? Now, a doctor wants me to go to a hospital to have it done, but I also know he does them in his office. And there's also a surgery center. Well, you're right. There's three different places you just mentioned. The office-based interventional practice is fine. That's fine. I do 80% of my injections in the office. It's in a controlled, clean environment with high-tech equipment that is, I think, pretty much state-of-the-art. And an experienced staff uh, with, um, you know, every care taken uh, to give comfort to the patient and to uh, make sure the procedure goes well. Appropriate recovery and discharge instructions are given. Well, that's great it's a low cost environment uh, i think that hospitals are high cost the cost of the in- intervention could be many times more in a hospital it's usually somewhere in the middle in a surgery center the hospital and the surgery center have what's called facility fees that pays for the nurses the lights it pays for in the sense of a hospital sometimes other departments that aren't as profitable And in the surgery center, it pays for supplies and all that sort of thing, as well as the hospital needs those supplies. The office well, we sometimes get a site of service differential. We get a little bit more for doing it in the office, but it's overwhelmingly the most cost effective place to get a procedure done. And that doesn't mean it's necessarily unsafe or not as safe as the other facilities. I will say this caveat that sometimes uh, patients' health or their concomitant diseases or diagnoses uh, makes us want to take them to a facility with more resources i will say that and if we use sedation uh, it's my feeling that that should be done in a hospital or a surgery center it's just um, with abundance of caution some people use sedation in the office and there's no problem with you taking a valium or something like that before you have your procedure but remember this is so important Sedation does not replace technique. These procedures should not be painful. And if they are, why are they? They should maybe be just a, a scant, uncomfortable, the local goes in or something like that. But that does not mean you use high dose sedation or opioids to make a bad technique um, acceptable to the patient. A lot of these sedating medications, like Versid, sometimes Valium and the like, they cause amnesia, and they cause amnesia for the procedure, and that's one of the reasons we use them. But that should not replace good technique, local anesthetic, um, and I think you get the picture. When I teach the courses that I teach, I always say that, I always tell folks that If you're using local anesthetic and you're using it properly and safely, you should just feel pressure from these procedures. And lack of technique and overuse of sedation and opioids to get through these procedures should make you rethink uh, about getting more training or or, or should you be doing them. Some people just, I don't know, some people just aren't aren't great at swimming and some people aren't great at injections and some people aren't great at other things but you know it's it's all about the fact that you find the right provider that you're comfortable with and if they're having uh, these interventional procedures it should be mddo it should be a physician Uh, these are these are procedures that require training Okay, um, I think that's pretty much going to wrap it up, and I uh, would love a review at iTunes if you do that. Uh, Maybe subscribe to us. It helps us rank, helps other people find us. I appreciate your listening, and uh, any feedback, uh, I, I really appreciate that feedback, and I'll get back to you. All right, have a great week.